Happy New Year, buddy. They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye-bye, bye-bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. Hey. How you doing? I'm all right, David Hellard. How are you? How am I? I'm good. I'm good. But I forget I forget how rubbish winter is every year. It's turned, it's turned full British, hasn't it? Now the rain. Oh. We 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 forget we forget what it's like during a British winter. Um, oh. The 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 absolute horror of it. Um, that you, I just don't think you get anywhere else in the world. It's this that that glumness, that dampness, that torrential. It's not it's not like a refreshing torrential rain that you'd find in a. Uh, a tropical environment refreshing torrential rain yeah yeah like it could be refreshing like a you know torrential downpour in like watching too many starburst adverts (laughs) no no i'm thinking like we're united southeast asia and and the sun is blazing and then there's like torrential rain that it breaks the it breaks the heat and it's and it's beautiful and it looks beautiful and we just get torrential rain that seems to be never ending coming from nowhere you're just like what literally what where is this rain coming from? Surely all the rain has come out of the sky. All the water has been used. What, how, how do we have this much water? I think the French send it over. <laughs> the, I, do you know what? I think most of our water is owned by the French. Yeah, it probably <laughs> is, actually. <laughs> yeah. there's, 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 no, there's no hilarity with what you've just said there, because it's true. <laughs> In fact, I, I hid under a bridge. Because I was doing my long run. I've heard that. (laughs) Yeah, but that's nothing to do with the rain. (laughs) (laughs) And I stood there and I got to a point where I think I thought, I'm pretty cold now. How long am I going to continue standing here, assuming that it's going to stop at some point? And uh, when do I just suck it up? But uh, I I think the issue is that if you go somewhere colder, like say the Scandies or the Canadians, the the Canadians, the Canadians. It's cold Canadian. enough in these regions. They're, uh, they're, well, they're close to Jamaicans, the Canadians. So. But um, it's cold enough that when it gets a bit miserable, it goes kind of snowy and Christmassy and lovely. And then it's really fun because you can go skiing, you can go snowboarding, you can throw snowballs at each other. I mean, you can do angels. And when you go outside, you just wear warm clothes and it's probably sunny and lovely. Whereas London, it never escapes misery. No. I d- I d- but the thing is, I, I can't remember last year being like that. I thought last year we went like from it being... We didn't have as long hot summer like we had this time. But I, I think it went cold and snowy really quickly. We didn't have as much yeah. rain as we had this year. We've gone, back to, we've gone back to like pre-global warming sort of weather. I think what's happening is um, Game of Thrones are trying to draw out the winter so that spring comes just as the first episode happens of the new series. And oh, that way, it's an HBO yeah. marketing stuff. Yeah, it's clever. It's very clever. Controlling the weather. That would be, do you know what? That would be quite good. When was, um, that makes me think, I watched Back to the Future 2 recently. Mm. 
And they can control the weather in that, can't they? Can they? Yeah, yeah, they can control the weather. That was one of the things that they that they suggested they could do. Oh, by that time. Well, by now, by now, because you know what, what was the, the the is it two thousand and fifteen or something? I can't remember the exact. November, is it November twenty second, two thousand and fifteen or something? I think it might have even been two thousand and eighteen because I, I think they no. they doctored the first one. They doc they doctor it every year, don't they? Yeah. But I think next year. Yeah. Is next year the year that Blade Runner was set? Oh, I don't know. Well, let me check that. Let I thought that was 2020. But while he, while he checks that, welcome to the Bad Boy Running Podcast, listeners. You're in for a treat tonight. You are in for a treat tonight. <laughs> I'm David Hellard. This is uh, J.D. Rainsford, who is uh, currently researching on the keyboard. So uh, tonight we've got a really good episode. We've already recorded it, and we're going to be ta- catching up with Tim Navin-Jones and Kerry Jones, who started up City Runners. Um, what's really interesting about it is I mean, I'm pretty bad at researching um, the guests, which, which tends to be my job, um, research and booking. So if it falls on me. If, if Jody doesn't know as much, it's because he normally finds out who I've booked. As, he... During the interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> London City Runners, it's really, it's really an episode because not only do they form a running club, a proper running club um, in the middle of London, which you don't really hear of running clubs anymore happening. They're all crews and cliques. And this is proper old school running. And they formed it, but unbeknownst to us, they since have um, created a running bar as well, which is fantastic, which um, we go into. So it's really, really interesting. But JD, are you back with the details? I'm back with the details. Blade Runner was set in 2019. 2019. So it must it must have been prefiguring Brexit. That's what's going to happen after Brexit. Oh, we're going to be yes. relying relying on uh, on Blade Runners uh, and AI to essentially uh, overcome the fact that we're going to be living in a dystopian future. I don't remember many cool things from Blade Runners. So I thought I want that. Um, I can't. Other than... It was pretty miserable, wasn't it? Um, Other than sexy robots, which is always good. Sexy robots. Um, I I don't know where to go with that. Sexy robots and bad lighting is the main sexy, thing. Bad, bad lighting is something that we could do very well. I don't know if we could do sexy robots. What's the sexiest robot you know, David Hellard? Hmm. I mean, you can sometimes get sat nav to be a little bit cheeky. <laughs> That's about sometimes, as far as sometimes Siri can be a bit cheeky. Yeah, 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 but not much closer than that. But um, but anyway, how are you? How's how's your training going for the tattoo challenge? Um, can we talk about something else? Oh, you know, the thing is, you know, you know exactly how it's going. <laughs> so uh, on a week by week basis, um, it, what we should do, we should just call it. You know, like they have that um. Is it called like a house of embarrassing illnesses or something? It should be Jody's weekly roundup of the latest weird thing that's gone wrong with him. So now I've I'm suffering from uh, so so after having um, hairline fracture, um, having uh, chest infection, having um, uh, what else has been wrong with Put me? Back oh, out. but back out, back out. That was yeah. a good one as well. And everything like that. Um, I now I now have uh, ear infections in both ears, um, and I don't. I, I'd like to blame the podcast for that. 
If it's in both ears, does that mean it goes all the way through the middle? <laughs> it's all the way through, exactly. <laughs> wow. So you've so, got brain infection, really. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the, the good thing is, so actually, um, in a future episode, um, I, I, I'm not in that episode because I, I can't actually hear anything. Um, so we didn't think it was much worth me coming on. Although some some of our some of our reviewers would prefer that. Um, but uh, I might just dub over that interview of hello, <laughs> hello, is anyone there? <laughs> hello, and then maybe the naked gun scene where you go for a pee because you forget this recording. <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't know. Since turning, I think I don't think we've spoke to each other since I turned forty. Actually. Happy forty! Thank you very much. Amazing. It has. I have. A, I've. I've literally just had every old person illness. I always make this joke about how I'm a. I'm a uh, one of those um, flaccid, pale wives of wait, a wait, Dick, wait. of a Dickens novel. What? Oh, it's, I thought you were going somewhere else there. <laughs> of a, of a, in a Dickens novel, who has to go to Austria for the air? Because they're constantly suffering from consumption, um, I think that that seems to be my like constitution at the moment. Um, I've Have got you got say, gout as well, then? I know, exactly. I feel. I feel like. I feel like. Big, I've got to honestly say, like since since stopping uh, doing ultras, everything has gone wrong. The whole reason I stopped doing ultras in the first place was because my I felt like my body was on the edge of being properly broken, and now I just seem to have been flooded with illnesses of, of various sizes. I I don't actually. It didn't occur to me that actually it's probably more to do with the fact that I have young children at school and nursery rather than... I think you might be cursed. <laughs> do you think there's someone in the BBR community with a voodoo doll? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Or several I mean, people. We know the skills of the knitting in the Bad Boy Running group. So I could imagine they've knitted do you think there's a little knitted, Jody. a knitted Jody somewhere that's being yeah. abused. Either that or monkey tennis. They're doing very well at the moment. Are they doing very well at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Just had Stephen Mangan on. Now, who what's is Stephen Mangan? I mean, like, he's great. I mean, he is great. But how how often was he featured in that? Really? I forgot he was in it. Actually, yeah, exactly. I, I know. It, 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 <laughs> it, he was talking about Green Wing and shit. Like, it was really. What's it called? Um, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Dark, um, monkey tennis. Uh, just getting in there for SEO purposes. Um, friend of the podcast, <laughs> uh, enemy of the podcast as well. Uh, he posted something on on Facebook saying, you know, that uh, wow, you know, we're we're featured, um, you know, and it's really easy. It's really easy to set up a podcast. I go, yeah, it is, uh, unless it's a little harder when you have to create original content. Um, uh, it's just you got to let it go. This is what happens if the karma comes back and you're ill. You think that all this has happened because I'm being rude about monkey tennis? I mean, it's the only explanation I can, that makes any sense so far. It is far. an explanation. Who else? Who else can we blame? Do you think? Do you think Brexit's also to blame? Do you think I'm going to be like this until we officially leave the EU? I mean, I, I, do they? Do the Brexiteers care a lot about you in this? I mean, would you say you've been influential on the Remain or Brexit side? Maybe, maybe. I think so. I think I'm having. I think I'm having a. A, a, a negative effect on everything really at the moment oh i mean maybe we should just end the podcast here then i i, I go solo <laughs> what 
you go negative you, impact you, on everything. You, you going solo is something I don't want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Very true. We uh, we're, we're drinking some. We're, do you know what? Re- interestingly, um, because I have been unwell so often, um, I haven't actually been drinking that much um, because I because I think oh that'll help my immune system. Mm. It, it doesn't. It doesn't in any way. But um, but talking about <laughs> talking about this, what are we drinking tonight from our beer fifty two box? We've got another Jewish theme beer, Jinju. <laughs> They're uh, obsessed with the Jews, aren't they? You said to me, "Oh, it's the one with the lion on it." Um, oh, tiger! Uh, tiger. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is so. This is Korea. So it's a Californian style IPA um, that goes. Oh, this is the weird. It's the. It goes with a Korean menu. No, but it goes with spicy and fry food, which to me is the exact kind of beer you want to have. Because it means, it means if you drink enough of it and then you're heading home, have a kebab, you're feeling ill, you're a bit sick, you're eating spicy and fried food, the beer that comes up is matched with what you've just been sick. It's perfect. Oh. Perfect. This, but, is, uh, this is wonderful with spicy and fried food, replete with piney resinous aroma and grapefruit notes. It is grapefruity. It certainly is. Mm. That is oh, it grapefruit, is actually too... isn't it? Oh. If you want to drink along with us, listeners, you can get a whole box of eight beers, a magazine, and guaranteed corn nuts. They'll say a snack, but guaranteed the smallest bag of corn nuts that you will really not be that fussed about. But the rest of it is amazing. Um, you can get that for £2.95, including postage and packaging, which is insane, by going to beer52.com slash bad boy running and i think it's probably only be available for another month or two that promotion yeah um yeah so snap it up fast do it you'll need you're going to need it when we go when we're in going into january it's miserable in january if you think oh, december's okay. miserable january's going to be really miserable yeah yeah big time but um i haven't told you about what i've been up to <laughs> what have you been up to i've been back across country the met league what's the num- my i just i don't I, Cross Country was on TV the other day. That literally BBC can't get any other sport. It's so <laughs> boring to watch. Of course it is. Oh my god! Why do they show it? Mm, I think, yeah, as you say, it's cheap, but also, I think they tell themselves it's inspiring the next generation, maybe. It's or... So boring. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a crazy. I'm gonna say something here, which is crazy mm. by many things. I'll go so far to say, watching triathlon is more interesting than watching cross country. Do you think? At least with triathlon, there's a chance that they may come off the bike or something. Yeah, that's that, true. That seems to happen a lot, actually. No, sometimes I'll switch over and there'll be tri- triathlons that seems to be on all the time. And they'll be in some city or whatever. And then there'll be people going down on some corner somewhere that they go, oh yeah, there's a bit of oil in that corner. No one bothers to go out and clear that bit of oil off that corner. They'll leave it because they'll go, oh, you know, it's just, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching it and it was like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not very interesting. Apart from there was one element um, yeah. that was interesting. The, what was that? Uh, the finish by the uh, French guy who won. Did you see oh, that? Hero. Hero. <laughs> was absolutely stunning. I think that's done more for the, the profile of cross country than anything else in the history of cross country. It's definitely, that's the, that's the most viral that cross country is ever going to get. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, what happens is that um, this guy uh, obviously won his race and uh, he's coming into the finish and uh, he grabs a couple of little French flags and uh, he's got them holding them in his head. And as he comes up to the finish line, he decides what he's going to do is going to um, uh, skid across the line on his knees. 
And so he goes in for the skid on his knees, but some, somehow something catches his knees. He hits a bit, mm. a bit of tough mud and he, his face flies it in to the, uh, the finish tape and he gets all wrapped up in the finish tape and he falls flat on his face. It's, it's just really quite wonderful. <laughs> but I think he, he dealt with it quite oh, well. Oh, he did. He, was, and he, 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 he did it with humour as well. He did exactly the right thing. But as posted in the group, and what would have been great is if he'd have gone straight into press-ups as if he was intending for that the whole time. Yeah, That would absolutely. have been the gal gel. I'd, the thing is, I don't know if you've noticed, other people started doing press-ups at events. Mm. No one was doing press-ups at events. They're trying to make it their thing now. And that's, yeah. that's, that's our thing. I don't want other people to take that away from us. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole cross-country, European, there's been quite a bit of talk a little what? bit of controversy about it from british why? side why so um there's, there's a facebook group i am or was a runner i think it's called similar to that which seems to have quite a, a few of the old boys in it um who tend to have quite strong views on matters like selection and team and but they were saying that it's the first year for like decades and decades and decades that Great Britain's not got a single individual medal in any of, and you've got the age groups as well. Yeah. So it's not just men's and women's, but there's also, you know, under 23s or under 20s. And we, we failed to get a podium in any of them. And they're saying that, you know, this is a tra- you know, absolute uh, travesty because should Mo Farah have to run? Should Laura Muir have to run? Should Callum Hawkins have to run? You know, these are people who are good enough to be, getting medals for, for GB they're being paid by England athletics or, or you know, the UK athletics so why aren't they representing our country at races like the European cross-country championships so so wait, so wait a minute so it's just that they're not turning up for these things yeah, oh, yeah okay. it's not it's not that they're losing it's just that they're just they're not bothering to come to this yeah so I mean actually GB did very well as a team. We, we seem to have a lot of strength and depth. We just missed out on the podium. So I, I think overall, we actually were the most successful country, ironically, um, as a team, but just those individual medals. And so, you know, should we, if we are paying for uh, Laura Muir and all these people to be training for GB, should we require them to represent GB at the cross country and the it's also been followed up that the we're not actually attending the world cross country championships as a team why i i haven't done that much research on this section but i i think it's because they don't see the point because we're so far behind africa oh really they just, just... Do, won't do well but then someone like mo farah someone like you know Laura Muir, they are challenging for medals at the Olympics, at the distances that cross country is. And sure, cross country is slightly different to track running, but it's not so substantially different that someone who is good enough to be a gold medalist on the track shouldn't be able to challenge for a podium across country. So, yeah, really interesting whether where the money's going for UK athletics and the fact that they clearly put olympic medals above all other running well that's it now isn't it i mean that's the that's the the thing that other countries don't like about the way that the 
the British operate now is that yeah. it's it, it's very much focused on winning medals, and mm. and and they're ruthless with it as well. Yeah, yeah, they'll be absolutely ruthless about it, and so it's you know, it's just it's a really hard one because what are you doing? Are you are you there to develop the sport or are you there mm. to to win the medals? And we've had such a period of such a long period of of never winning enough medals to really justify being at the Olympics. Uh, mm. You know, for the size mm. of our country, and not not to not justify, but. It, 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 for, for years and years it was just always a massive disappointment you'd always think a country yeah. our size should be winning those things and so it, it was it was long overdue but has it gone too far in the other direction it's really easy to say that from a point of having won all those med- medals and doing so well mm. but what is going to be what is going to be the long-term effect of that what it, it, with i i what is the what is the importance of of cross-country Do, i mean does it are there like large prizes in that? I never know what. No, know. I mean, I mean, I think cross country is. It's runners running. Is it like it's like like the most purest form, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's, so, got, it's got the most hardcore, the pure, most purest people yeah. within it. As the yeah. So hare and hounds down in Wimbledon, which um, I'll be racing the alumni race quite soon. They, for example, are the oldest cross country club in the world 150 years and it's partly because you do it at school but also it's it's just such a do they still do it at school i don't know actually i, I think they do yeah but not in all schools but certainly remember, in some i remember it was awful cross country yeah it yeah. was really awful it's just you, you never ever want to do it based on your experience at school but the 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 view of cross country in the UK is is very similar to how if you're in the lakes and they view fell running. You know, it's you turn up and it it costs you five pounds and you get a cup of tea and a cake and a bun afterwards and it, there's no there's no hiding because so polish, yeah, yeah. You you haven't got a there's no gels or things like this. It's not all this. It doesn't matter what your trainers are because spikes and there's nothing to them. It's it's just you and and there's no easy run i mean you can run a 10k you can run it hard and it's quite hard to run fast but it doesn't compare at all to a five mile cross country race does does cross country exist in other countries to a certain extent it does but um like in america does cross country exist in america it certainly does in schools but then the trail is is also seen as cross country to a certain extent yeah i was wondering what the crossover is there yeah, but it's partly weather dependent as well. But um, I mean, something like I always I always talk about the Met League or about the Nationals or like Parliament Hill. So the, South, the Southern Championships of the Parliament Hill to me is probably the most epic and uh, intense race you can ever do outside of an ultra. I find I, I when you think about cross country, I find it quite intimidating. I think I'd be in, yeah. completely intimidated, and I think. I'd be justified in, in feeling intimidated by going to and doing cross country because you like you that that's when you're talking about people that are fast. But it's I mean it is intimidating and in some ways rightly so in some ways not at all. So it's not intimidating from a cliquey unfriendly aspect, but it 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 is intimidating because it is ridiculously fast and ridiculously hard, and it's not until you 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 can be a road runner. And it is hard to run a really fast 5K. You know, your lungs are burning. You know, 800 meters, horrific. But cross country is another level. And the proximity you are to people and the way you have to respond to the ground and the unpredictability of it, um, it's it's just 
it's almost like it feels like honest running and I, it you you have so much more of a relationship with cross country if you love cross country than i think anyone can have with any other distance oh, and maybe really? i'm being a bit up myself uh, in this for, you know but i you know I'm, i see myself as a as a marathon runner you know or an ultra runner and i'm a long distance runner but my love of cross country and hatred of cross country is is far stronger than any other distance or any other type of race and um and it's something that i i wish this is partly why we're setting up bad boy running running club um but it's something that i wish more people shared um actually this is really good intro to the, the talking with tim because that's partly what led to the the breakup of, of london city runners was this divide between people who just wanted to stick to running around central london and others who actually wanted to get involved in these races um but i think especially if you're one of the old boys you know cross country to you is what you've grown up with it's what you probably still do you it, it's all the marshals are old boys and it's got a really lovely spirit to it and so for them i can understand that they probably do get frustrated and, and think it's, it's a huge waste that people only care about medals at the olympics when to, to be in the top three in the 1500 is unbelievably hard. I mean, we, 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 we celebrate our footballers for being great. But when, when in the last 20 years have we had a single footballer in the top three in the world? I mean, maybe, maybe Gerard. I don't think Rooney's ever been top three, is he? Or, and, and so our expectations are that one in, in, in one in every four years, you have to be in the top three in a sport where we're potentially not actually the, the, the most suited to because of our DNA compared to Africans or because of the lack of altitude. And yet they're saying you ha- this is so much more important than cross country, which is the home of our running, really. So what's your suggestion? I don't know. Well, it's the I I think you've I, I don't think it's 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 completely out of order to ask people like Mo and Laura Muir to race these races and to be captains of the the cross country and particularly because it's incredibly good for your training and they're nearly always it's because they want to be at altitude um in the winter months building up their slow running base but just something like cross country would be great to see um mo running that and that's something that kids can really relate to is seeing them running around a field a short distance versus on a track because how many kids really get the opportunity to do five thousand meters on the track whereas cross country is the closest thing to park run there is what which is more serious cross country or park run park run is uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe serious is the wrong word, but you 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 don't have people who will tell you how many times they've run cross country, right. or who are tracking their stats on every cross country race. Or most people there turn up, they race, you know, race balls out, and then at the end of it, they're happy with what's happened. And then that's it. It's it's not you don't collect badges. You, it's not that type of environment. Yeah. Um, Richard, Mc, Richard, are, Richard McDowell does a lot of cross country, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, you pop, you find all the top runners in the Bad Boy Running Group all do cross country. Stu Farmer as well. Um, Bruno. Bruno, yeah, absolutely. And and things Br- Bruno does it, even though Bruno is 
Kenny Everett. Suited. <laughs> yeah, it's Kenny Everett. <laughs> Kenny Everett he's never did cross country. <laughs> but he, I mean, he's he's someone who is so fast at 800 meters, 1500 meters, and yet he'll still turn up for a five mile race, which he knows he's going to be become significantly further down the field than he would against the same runners at his distances. But he'll still do it because it's just got such a spirit to it. But um, but I mentioned I mentioned Richard because I just want I wanted to seg into something. Because we're mm. talking about people who take things too seriously, um, and the fact that we do, we like to, we like to both celebrate the successes that um, uh, do badders have at mm. races. If you've heard about Richard McDowell uh, on a previous episode, you'll know that he has invited some controversy. Uh, so he uh, he's won a few races recently. Uh, one of which was the uh, Bacchus Marathon or Half Marathon. Mm. And um, as a result of that, he, he claimed you know, a win. Um, but um, having posted his win on Strava, um, a slightly aggrieved other, uh, podium finisher behind him um, decided to uh, vent his fury. Um, and uh, this guy, John, um, he invented the phrase that um, Richard McDowell is now known as... Um, <laughs> Comfort twat biscuit. He was slightly, I say slightly aggrieved. He was he was spitting um, <laughs> because he suggested that uh, Richard didn't drink um, and neither did the second finisher either, and that he was the only person to go round and drink during the race. Which means that those are the rules of the race. Therefore, he should be uh, he should be first. In fact, I and think that was the craft half, wasn't it? Where he oh, was it the craft half? Yeah, yeah, street child craft half. I do think it happened in another race as well. Um, yeah, he'd, so he'd lost he'd lost the Bacchus Marathon to Rich, and he'd given him some abuse, and he then went to the Craft Half and lost again to Rich, which I think he'd turned up with the sole intention of winning it, whereas Rich turned up with the sole intention of doing a training run to get out of the way <laughs> before he could come and chat to us. No, so. Um... So, uh, yeah, at the craft half, um, this guy, uh, he accused that the top two finishers of not having uh, drunk anything. And um, so he should be awarded. That was it was the craft half, wasn't it? Fortunately, Felix Allen, who was the second place, decided to get in contact with us uh, <laughs> about this. And so here's his message. Yes, Having just listened to your recent podcast, it was the first time I'd heard about John so-and-so of Strava Cump Biscuit fame. <laughs> I learned he was crying about being third in the craft half as he claimed the cretinous top two finishers didn't drink. I was second in that race, and I necked a can of beer at every checkpoint on top of a massive hangover. <laughs> I, dro- I dropped this sad geezer at the last checkpoint. He lost because he drinks like a snail and can't take his hand, and I'm a better runner than him. I know Richard McDowell saw him before and after the race, so he can testify to this. Just thought I'd clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Do better the week. Do better the month, Felix. Do better, Felix. That's amazing. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> <laughs> you lost because you drink like a snail. <laughs> it's, it's, hap- it's happening again in Feb. The oh, really? So, really? I mean, we did it last year, and it was it was it was such good fun because we went round at the back, and they'd left stacks and stacks of crates of beer, and so we were spending way too long drinking, 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 having a great time. But this year, I'm almost tempted to run it flat out as well and drink all the beers. Just so we can get as many people to beat John as possible. Oh my goodness! Or even just just run slightly off his shoulder, so that he always is slightly ahead, and just save it for that last beer. Then Ross McDonald him, 
and fly past. <laughs> and I think if we... If, if, if well, we avoid, have, avoid the last beer when he drinks it. No, still drink it. But, I mean, if he's not a quick drinker, I think we could get, given the, the pedigree of people who listen to the podcast, who live in London as well, we could get at least five or six of us to do the exact same thing where we let him lead the whole way with six or seven of us running around <laughs> just behind him. And at the last table, if you think people like Stu Farmer, myself, Rich, Bruno, um, we could get a nice little team that, I mean, if he was angry before, imagine how angry he'd be then. Oh, that would be amazing. And it's all for charity as well. It's all for charity. <laughs> Oh, God, you've got to organise that. That would be brilliant. Yeah, let's do it. You've heard it, boys. Come on. Craft Half. I can't remember what it is in Feb. In fact, by the time this is, this comes out, Street Child are doing double donations again, where the government matches anything paid. So um, I'm trying to think of a way to, like, fix the system as such. So um, I haven't done it yet, but I think by the time this podcast comes out, I'll do a sign-up where if you sign up for the Beerathon and the Craft Half in one by donating to my page, which then means they can claim back the tax and get double donations on it. So they'll get a huge amount. Um, Street Child have said, as long as I do it as me, so it doesn't break, I probably shouldn't say this bit, so it doesn't break GDPR, <laughs> and I sign you up, so it's on me rather than on them we can then get the, the free entry into the craft half right. as part of the same package. So um, I think you'll save like five pounds overall, but the main thing is that Street Child will, instead of getting like 10 pounds from one, 20 pounds from the other, they'll get something like 120 pounds because it will be all the whole thing and doubled. So I'll put that together, put it in the podcast if I get around to it at Christmas or on the uh, beer belly running list. But yeah, if we can form an elite team of stalkers, beer stalkers, that would be fantastic. The beer stalkers. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it. Just all their entire job is just to piss off other runners. <laughs> not, not other runners. <laughs> just one other runner. Anyone, anyone that disses the group. This is the, <laughs> we're taking the cult to a whole new level. It's like a protection gang. Yeah, absolutely. You mess with one of our boys. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. But um, uh, bef bef before... Oh, oh, go on. I was going to say before we go in. Go on, what are you going to say? Well, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about cross-country. Oh, go on, yeah. Talk a bit more about cross-country then. So, um, if, you were, if you thought it was exciting to see the guy fall over at the Europeans, the last cross-country, it was a venue I'd not been before on the Met League miles out of london but um they had a river running through the middle of the course right which doesn't sound that exciting until you realize the pace at which people go through um every element of cross country and so in an ocr race if you hit a river you'll probably slightly adjust your stride and you make it across in cross country People don't stop for anything, and so no, I did, I, I, it's incredible. It's like they don't slow down. It's just their pace is the same no matter what, yeah. what, what obstacle they're coming across. It's incredible. It's furious throughout, but the, tr the trouble is when you hit a river where the ground in the stream in the river is uneven, people go down. <laughs> people go down big. 
So it was great. Before the race, we all went to watch at the river and you're cheering people on. And it's absolute carnage. But then um, the the leading man lost the race because he fell in the river. Oh, really? They've got it on slow-mo. He hits it on the second lap. So he's already, he's already been through the river once. Yeah, so he knows. So you, you know approximately what the depth is. And actually, going into it, you've had a chance to talk to the girls in your team to say, oh, like, which side should you go on? How, how deep is it? But he hits it full steam, hits the deck. Paul Martinetti, who, um, friend of the podcast, future friend of the podcast, don't think he's yet, but overtakes him in the water and wins by seven seconds overall. So while you could say it's not because of the river, I mean, you're going to lose seven seconds worth from how you react and that river crossing. And someone was kind enough to then put it on Twitter in slow motion. Just so this poor guy lost oh. the race. can see. But that is what cross country is about. I mean, that is a race and a half. Yeah, the bits I've watched weren't that exciting. Yeah, and I think they they should jazz it up a little bit. And and they've had previous that they've had previous ones where it's not been muddy. They've actually just run round almost like a trail. And yeah, it's it's bad. They should make it muddy. They should throw in loads of water, get it in the Olympics, which I think it could be because is it not in the Olympics? No, no cross country. That seems very odd. It definitely should be and. Uh, where's the next Olympics? Is it France? Tokyo. Tokyo. Oh, yes. So the Olympics after 2024, the last time cross country was in the Olympics was in Paris. Oh, really? Good years ago. Oh, really? Chariots of Fire era, I believe. Harold Abrams, um, Eric Liddell. And so there is a, a theory that the French, because the, the host nations can suggest new sports. That's why we've had windsurfing at times. It's how rugby sevens came back in. And there's a theory that the French will go with cross country as a sport, which I think would be a fantastic addition because it, it, as sports go, it's something that does feel like an Olympic sport and it's yeah. done by so many people. And suddenly, if you get a cross country medal, that would completely change the way people view cross country in the UK, which would be fantastic for running clubs because suddenly things like the Met League would be important to England athletics. Is, is there a cross country season? Yeah. yeah, yeah when, when, is, when is that? Starts in October, ends in March. There we go. There's your reason. That's why it's not popular. Yeah. Why? It's like, it's like the football season. Yeah. At least in the football season, though, you're sat in a you're sat in a stadium with a pie or something, watching it. Yeah, I think also, I mean, the, the the weather is what puts people off, and the the weather is what makes it glorious as well. It's, it's a hard um, it's a hard sell to get people started. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is a hard sell. Um, and it look and it just looks hairy. It looks dangerous. Like when you watch it, you're just, and it's the speed at which people go. You're just thinking, whoa. It's like they don't, if, if they, if you could show fell running, if you could, if fell running was filmed you know, mm. and broadcast in the same way that cross country was, it would be one of those things that no one would ever do. <laughs> would you? Yeah, it, oh, it, I don't know. I think it would be, you'd get a new breed of MDS style sign ups. <laughs> 
cheese rolling sign-ups. It was that's it. It's essentially like cheese rolling, isn't it? It's yeah, um, yeah. But it's 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 kind of like that. It's kind of like yeah, fell running is like that next that sort of like that next level. But when you see the them the way they're running, it see they they seem unhinged and they seem yeah. like running with abandon and they don't care and you're just like. It's kind of scary. It's kind of you know. It feels like it over over that terrain. There's there's almost the mud is it's too unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and so I can I can see why it, it I can see why it puts people off. Um, but yeah, I just I I remember it from school and it was just a horrible experience. Yeah. The whole thing was horrible. Like I, I just I don't know. Yeah. Whether they yeah, do that I, at school I the same at school as well. Hated it. Friday was the worst day of the week. Um, and well, Friday at nine thirty was the best time of the week because when you finish cross country. Friday at nine thirty. Yeah. In the morning. Yeah. What time did you start? We, I think in my sixth year or fifth year, it was nine o'clock cross country Friday morning. Um, so you'd be you'd dread it, you dread it, you dread it, and then nine thirty. Oh my god! You have to go cross country for a whole week. Incredible! What a feeling! And the weekend. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. Now I choose to do it. Thing is, you went to you went to public school, didn't you? Mm, yeah 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 so I, I went to comprehensive which meant that um no one used the showers because everyone <laughs> was scared of taking their clothes off in front of each other so you do like cross country and then you'd just be muddy in your uniform because <laughs> uh, everyone was like not like, taking my clothes off because you just you know i don't know why it's weird isn't it i don't yeah. know why why you why in a public school you're just much more comfortable getting naked and using the showers. The only time our showers were ever used at our school was to drag people through it uh, who, who, who were being bullied, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah, we used to have uh, teachers who made sure you what? went in the showers. <laughs> <Do you> still, <laughs> they went in the showers, but they made sure you went from the changing room to the showers and back. Right, okay, on that bombshell. <laughs> before before we start this, um, uh, this interview, um, that... Uh, what we, there's two things about this interview. Um, firstly, that one of the reasons we're talking to them is actually because they they they've gone through the thing that we're about to go through in terms of setting up a running club, mm-hmm. um, and so we take the uh, the rather brazen approach of um, uh, talking about all the things that are wrong with England athletics, just as we're making an application to them uh, to set up a running club, which I think is ballsy. Uh, take, take, take the fight to them um, the second thing is um, very early on uh, we start talking about um, the fact that a running club is you've mentioned that already a running club in central London is quite unusual um, because they've got crews and other things I just thought before we go into the interview um, because we don't talk about this before and just so a bit of clarity could you just explain the difference between these, these different terms like what, what are crews what are, um, what's the difference between that and a club um, for for people that don't necessarily know or, or, or you know, haven't been in the capital before and experienced it, yeah, and and actually they're 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 not really that strictly defined, but typically in the past you've had running clubs which would represent a geographical area. So when you think of runners, running clubs, they are people who would meet on specific days to train together for races as a team. And so the London Marathon, for example, is the UK championships for the marathon where um, my club race against other clubs as well. So if you're in the the sub 245 for men, sub 315 for women, you're in the championship start for the official UK championships. 
And so running clubs have been around for years. You tend to sign up for a whole year. It tends to be quite cheap, 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds. And um, crews and, uh, are all new. So, for example, the Project Awesome would be along those lines where it's a free fitness collective, but it's not a club. You don't you don't have an emblem. You don't sign up. You're not affiliated to England Athletics, which is probably the biggest difference. And so to be a running club, official club, you have to sign up to their rules. You have to demonstrate that you have followed all of the criteria they have, which will be that you have to have a voted, uh, you have have a voting system for your um, your leader, your chairman, your secretary. You have to have all these additional roles, for example, welfare officer. And um, the crews are completely different. They've just sprung up in the last five, ten years, really because of Instagram and Facebook, which has allowed people to actually get their message out there without a informally and so good examples of this would be midnight runners um you'd have city runners now you'd have run them crew there's trail runners there's advent runners there's adidas run group and people tend to just turn up to those for a little bit um there's no strict entry into races you it, it, it's a lot more fluid really and so those are the type of clubs where you'd turn up and wouldn't have a England certi- England sports certified coach. Instead, you'd have someone who's just a bloke who'd be like, right, I've, I've started this. A bit like the hash. Come and do this. Um, so has, has that explained it? I don't think I've been that eloquent in It's just a lot of it's to do with the fact that it's a, like crews are a lot looser in terms of what they achieved in a running club, which has a much stricter form um, that's laid down by England Athletics, which is goes to some way the fact that it is affiliated. That means you get um, uh, discounts off races, but also the mm. whole purpose of England Athletics is to try and improve the level of sport, and so mm. it has it has that other agenda, and it's supposed to raise the the profile of of running yeah and I, th- I think because of the way they've been set up people do tend to sign up or join running clubs to get quicker or to get better yeah whereas crews don't have that focus necessarily so a lot of them are more about meeting people or about enjoying the activity of running which to some people is how running should be, to others not. But um, you're even looking at the vests that they have. Running clubs will have little singlets with weird stripes on block colours. Crews will typically be a lot cooler. Yeah, running club vests are awful, generally. Mm. Mm. I mean, like they look, look like they've been made about like 30 years ago and have never changed. Yeah, and they, they, they look like a school kit, really, yeah. a school cross-country Shape, kit. Shapeless, not made for the modern figure. Mm, the yeah. modern figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of, that's kind of what it's like. Um, yeah. 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 About that. But, but we, can, we can discuss this a little bit afterwards because we, we do go into quite a lot of detail. So uh, should we crack on? Let's do it. 
So do balance. We've got a really interesting episode coming up. Interesting for about seven different reasons. But the story behind it is you may or may not have heard Bad Boy Running is going to becoming an official running club, um, whatever that means. Um, and <laughs> in some ways, thanks, Tony. <laughs> and so that could potentially mean we're registered with England Athletics. It means you get discounts on entry. It means you can enter certain race leagues. Um, but all of these kind of hoops and, and whistles you have to go through just seem to be quite bizarre and, and potentially unnecessary. Um, I've met Tim Navin Jones uh, about five or six years ago, and um, him and his girlfriend Kerry Jones set up. Sorry, wife Kerry Jones. Uh, I girlfriend. Girlfriend. <laughs> but you don't, you're both called Jones. Wow, I know, it's confusing. that's so confusing. <laughs> We're not Amazing. inbred, there. <laughs> so. Um, Kerry and uh, her husband Tim were uh, a <laughs> future husband. Anyway, they were um, they set up London City Runners, which is uh, very very complex. In that, in some ways, it is now a running club. In some ways, it's a with English athletics. In some ways, it's not. But they have, unlike most people we know who formed these new running groups, they're not really seen as being a um, a, a crew of sort. It is a bit more structured like a running club. They do have club nights and um, it's in the middle of London and it's free for people to come and join, which is completely different um, because there's no sign up feed. There's no um, membership card, anything along those lines. So we wanted to get them on the podcast to find out why they did that, how they did that, and then what their experience has been of setting up or trying to set up this run club and hopefully give us a little bit of wisdom so that we can learn from them before we get kicked out of whatever it is we start doing. So um, welcome to the podcast. Tim and Kerry. Hey. <laughs> the worst introduction ever. <laughs> I, hope listen, I hope listeners were paying attention. Then, so we, already we're going to be doing a quiz as to who's married to who and what their names are, just to check at the end. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Very good, thank you. Cheers, David. Yeah, cheers, Jillip. Well, I guess, do you want to take us back to the beginning then? The To start with, why you decided that you, you know, to, to form London City Runners? Uh, yeah, so basically, I, like a little Dick Whittington, came down to London thinking, all the streets are all paved with gold. And was, I'd been running my whole life since I was five years old and was training to do a marathon. And so, like many people, I joined the Serpentines. I thought it was a fantastic club. Um, but it was a mission for me to get from work to get up to the Serpentines. I live in central London, um, you know, train for my marathon, doing long distance. And then I'd cycle back. I was getting home at like 11 o'clock at night. And I thought there must be a club in central London. There must, yeah, there's already, yeah, it's just near Tower Bridge and there wasn't. And so, yeah, I then took the decision to use Leeds colors, like where I'm from, um, to use Tower Bridge um, to just, set up my own club called London City Runners. There was a few other ideas. I was going to call it London River Runners. But I already knew some fantastic routes over the bridges that I, mm. I was doing regularly. Uh, and I just wanted to run with other people, wanted to have the whole social thing. Um, and so <laughs> kind of uh, me and four or five friends dropped uh, some bags in my flat. Um, my poor housemate, the, the following Sunday I had all these sweaty runners coming through when he was there with like a hangover kind of there. And uh, it grew from there. It doubled the next week. You know, it was the right place, right time. And it was everything that I'm passionate about running, socializing. So then we graduated from there to a pub. Um, 
and then that's when things start yeah getting really exciting and yeah all the kind of social connections started happening we've had nine marriages <laughs> met in the club you know three babies have, yeah. yeah there's probably quite a few more over the years we've had nine thousand members you know um they've wow. come through us um and yeah and now i mean it's fantastic when you think of that serpentine is probably i mean in any any one year what two thousand people two and a half thousand people and in my head they were the biggest club in london by quite some way um but but when you when you say that the number started to double i mean who were these people were these friends were these people that heard about it through word of mouth is it people who are training for marathons themselves or they lost souls or yeah i think it was the geographical thing um of being in the center of london so a lot of it was people that already work in the city uh, or live nearby um that don't necessarily want to do their running on a treadmill and so it was everything from people that were really quite new to running that just wanted to have a go and thought it looked quite sociable to people you know like you that are super speedy and want to kind of challenge themselves and everything in between and um so really and it, it being free mm. kind of allowed that fluidity of the people that could come along if they happened to be training for a half marathon or a full marathon or um and there was no you know you didn't have to then sign up and be kind of obligated to try and get your money's worth and i think keeping it free is what really has been quite unique yeah and and actually it's quite interesting because there aren't the running clubs i know of um other than maybe midnight runners they're not set up to make money you know the the costs are actually really low and all of that money is plowed right back into membership but the question mark is you know, do you need all these facilities and apparatus that clubs build i guess that then cost money um because that potentially does become a barrier um, what, what, what i've always wondered with new clubs um because running clubs i think the biggest challenge is trying to group people so that they can actually run at a useful pace for whatever it is they're trying to do because you've got such different speeds and also different objectives i mean how did you cope with that i think the, first, the right from the start um it was on a Tuesday, which our visit is splitting into different groups and making it really clear, you only go in the first group if you do 5K in like over 30 minutes. Um, you know, second group, it's between 25 and 30, and then the, the fast ones go last. Um, and uh, yeah, really making that really clear. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I think that combined with the regularity of it. I mean, and the you, sheer number of people as well, though, because we don't have pacing groups where you stick to a certain pace. Mm. Sheer number of people means that you run at a pace that you'll always find someone your pace to run with. Yeah. Always. And so I think it's the sheer volume, which most running clubs can't duplicate. Yeah. Yeah. If there's only nine people there, yeah. that would be more difficult. But mm. we, you know, like now, regularly we get like 140 people on a Tuesday. Um, but we, yeah, so... I, I think that as well, and also in terms of volunteering, I just think it's so important. I've watched, I don't know how many clubs that have formed from running, um, little small running clubs in, in companies um, to kind of affectations of sport brands. And given a certain amount of time, they tend to fizzle out. Mm. And I think that it's keeping it regular ev- like every single week. And like, you know, I've done it three times a week now for almost not for getting on for nine years um but we, we ran through the riots in london 
we ran through like you know maybe you started the riots i mean <laughs> yeah. the numbers you might have spread it off teenagers we're fast because yeah it was uh those police <laughs> um, yeah so that was but i think yeah i mean it that that's important like you know or like kind of not having a a day where you feel a bit tired and you, you always have to be there or have volunteers there and, and that yeah that's what made it really yeah that um, consistency is what given us that's given us the numbers that gives us that and there's a pace for everyone isn't it? Yeah. So has, has it been a set route then? So, so you said you've got these three sessions then. Um, what are they and, and are they set routes each time? Yeah, the format hasn't changed much in like eight or nine years. So on Tuesday, it's the biggest night. Most people will do 5K um, and we split that into three groups. On Thursday, we do interval training, um, which, you know, we get less people, like more like 50, 60. And then on Sunday, people do the longer runs. And then that, that same format has just carried on every single year. And do you find, because thinking of those three, they're fairly, um, I probably, in terms of the training I, I follow and know, would, would switch the Tuesday and Thursday around, but they tend to be a fairly standard run um, and a running week, actually, um, with maybe a Wednesday with a slower jog for someone. Was that intentional? That Was that because you were following a marathon training plan and so you came up with these routes? Or? Yeah, I think... I knew nothing really of running clubs before I came to London, but the little bit I did know of them is that you had to do some speed work. Um, uh, and yeah, you had to have one where you're kind of getting the miles in. So yeah, I think that, that I was kind of following a, the kind of set trend of like normal running clubs, but what became different was the, the fact we met in pubs. And I do remember actually the biggest problem, which is what's fantastic about you guys is, it can feel so super cliquey in running clubs. Mm, but you can yeah. kind of feel that unless you're kind of some 118 super competitive guy that can do, you know, um, five minute miles or whatever, that you, you might feel like a little bit out of place. Um, no, I think when the, you know, the best, one of the most fantastic things about running is when the endorphins um, are all flooding through your system when you finish, you, you know, all the nervous angst that new people have about, oh, God, will it will be all cliquey? That all just dissipates. And they just mm. feel brilliant. And then they have a pint um, or a glass of wine and they meet really nice people and they realize it's free. And they're like, wow, this is like part of a nice community that I, you know, is something that's quite missing in London sometimes. Um, so, yeah, that's, I, I really wanted to foster that right from the start. And uh, I, I think the serpentines are fantastic, but I, I, I didn't really get that feel so much in the same way. Mm. I, I remember being really up for meeting people and, uh, yeah, there was just like a few little cliques and uh, yeah. So that, I think that... as well, if, if because you're starting your slower runners first and they're, they're what, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes ahead of the, the faster runners, when slower runners arrive who are, are more likely to be the people that need more encouragement, who are new to running or are, are nervous about these cliques, they're not going to see these rake-like looking guys in short shorts and the wonder tops because they're not there yet. So actually, you've almost got this inclusive subsection in how it looks when people arrive, which then follows all the way through to the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's bang on. And so d did you 
Did you find then that when you've gone from being a, a small pub with a few bags to suddenly having 130 people, has that presented any challenges with the pub? Has it presented challenges on the route as well? Yeah, well, that's where it's really interesting what you picked up on before, that most people do this for the love of it. You know, whether it's Project Awesome or Midnight Runners, it's, it is difficult to monetize running in any way. Mm. But Kerry and I, I mean, we constantly went through a cycle with pubs where we'd arrive we'd tell them look we will fill your pub on a tuesday night when most pubs are very quiet and we'll fill it up and lots of people will have drinks and they loved it they absolutely loved it it was like you know we don't have to do any advertising for this we don't have to have a pub quiz that night we can literally just you know let tim just fill it all up and they'll have beers afterwards but after about a year they kind of realized that you know we smell a bit and um, you know everyone's very light, <laughs> like water. the regulars are a bit like, oh god, like they're really taking over this whole pub. And then it, it, you know, they're always really pleasant, but like you know, you're too big for us now, so you need to kind of um, you move on. And we've been told that eight times. Um, and wow, which one do you of, think it's free business for them? Yeah, exactly. And each one of them is almost like kind of splitting up with a girlfriend, and and then they always kind of then have doubts, and they're like. Oh, actually, you know, we still want to have like events with you, and they suddenly realise actually that was a big part of the bottom line, our Tuesdays. Um, but that's what was that's what made it so exhilarating when Kerry and I were like, you know, this doesn't have a future. We've been displaced, moved on, been told off for where we put our glasses of water, or <laughs> um, in, in so many permutations and so many little complaints. So, to, and we also started things like a couch to five k. Mm-hmm. Um, we started doing running tours. We started doing presentations. We had Maria Mauchi, the second fastest British female of all time, do a presentation in a in a pub, and they wouldn't give us like exclusivity. It, you know, they just said, "Yeah, you're pretty." And there was people talking at the back and stuff, yeah. and it was like, "Oh my god, this lady's a legend!" And uh, mm. so now we in in our own space, we have running yoga for runners. We have presentations. Um, you know, we have these people like Paul Sinton Hewitt that came. Brennan Foster that came and opened it um, and we can be as sweaty as we want and not feel remotely guilty and and uh, and also it's the novelty of the fact that in cycling you have amazing places like Rafa or Look Mum No Hands mm. um, but you don't have any running themed cafe bar um, you know there's similar-ish things like mm. R27 but it doesn't exist in the same way so that was exciting really exciting to actually have a designated place for runners um that's been amazing but how does because part of me's always suspected things like look plum no hands work because every now and then someone will buy a two thousand pound bike mm-hmm. and so I, I, i've never heard of this before what's so, are there cafes <laughs> dedicated to cyclists there's lots of them yeah yeah, yeah. What? yeah. and i think the way they make their money interesting is not just selling a, a very expensive bike but also doing the bike repairs but like look mum no hands for example was a functioning cafe and mm. before, you know it is a very very good at getting food right and that kind of stuff and we realized which is again why you'd love it that we had to be a fully functioning pub you know, we had to be able to do every single drink we had to be open to the public you know we didn't we didn't want to make it exclusive mm. to runners mm. almost like the point we uh, we almost want to dress down the kind of yeah. running theme in a way on a, on a oh, Saturday because we're on the, the beer so the mile. The way we're going to make money, the way look, Mum No Hands, you know, they make 
yeah, two thousand pound on a bike is that you know we've realised our strength again is in our numbers. And mm. when we had Mario Yamauchi come and talk, when we've done a running coaching workshop, we fill a room with people who will buy tickets. And so now we're realising we can get nutritionists, we can get physio, we can get running celebrities, and we can have ticketed events. And our, we'll fill it because people see it as a social thing as well. And I don't know that there's anyone else who can do it as well as we can at the moment. So we're going to be selling tickets to events and doing our Couch to 5K and that's going to be a large part of our income. And the amazing thing as well as that is that now that we've done it and we're proving that we can pay this at huge rent, <laughs> which mm. is like um, now other big running clubs are really starting to embrace that um, and they want to have events there like Christmas parties. Mm. Um, and uh, that's brilliant that with a lot of running clubs, it becomes kind of like, with your own colours and stripes and whatever you're it becomes like us and them. Whereas we want this to be a place where actually it doesn't matter what club you're part of, this is free. It's it's open to absolutely anyone can come and drop their bags. So it's really nice that other big running communities um, have embraced that um, and that want want to use the space and um, and that they can see that. It's interesting because I mean the weird thing I find about something like Look Mum No Hands. I was on the South Bank and there was a look mum no hands yeah, bar yeah that just yeah. had no link in any way to cycling which i just yeah. couldn't couldn't understand how that had actually happened but um yeah. but then but um going back to kind of how you've you've kind of grown then from um so w- was this just a need then that you as a club to create this venue is, is that how it came about or i, th- I mean the amazing thing with running a club of this size is that it looks easy from the outside, like many things mm. um, in life. Uh, and people don't really fully grasp the fact that it literally took almost nine years of, of responding to emails that, you know, where it's made perfectly clear on the website that you can leave your bag there on a Thursday. Or, <laughs> um, you know, you kind of, and um, I think we just realized, Kerry and I, that it had no feet. It had no feet. Yeah. We couldn't, the sheer volunteering hours it took mm. to sustain it. Yeah. It meant we didn't have a future. So it was either turn it into a traditional club, again, where Richard's got a committee and everyone would have to pay for it, sell it to a brand or find another way for it to generate a revenue so that someone could be employed. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, you're making money for pubs that every mm. year throw you out. So there's no end game to that. And also the entire area of London Bridge, if you've been down there recently, is very yucky. Yeah. It's been too swanky swank now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's getting harder and harder for the pubs to survive there. So, you know, there was no end game. And then the venue came up, and we already knew we wanted to do it. And it was literally next door to where we were meeting, and it just felt like fate. We, <laughs> we knew we had to be within literally 500 square feet of a certain, you know, we knew that with Starbucksization of the whole of London Bridge, that we needed a massive space and that was going to be very difficult. So an arch was kind of perfect in a way because it couldn't be sold like office space. And it was literally covers in mold um, and looked like it probably had rats and, but it was just huge. And we thought, wow, this actually could yeah. house the club. Um, and then we just took the leap really. And then, we? yeah, we literally both of us just kind of, um, you know, the, as they say, if you'd, the biggest risk is not taking any risk at all. Mm. And uh, it was 
scary as you like to you know putting our own <laughs> life savings and like but it's been the most fantastic journey since and uh like you only really get a, a notion of that like when you actually see all the runners in there for its design purpose um and we're, we're making money as a bar which means it's sustainable mm. we, we crowdfunded but to see all the members to see all the goodwill of them doing their own carpentry um helping like with artists artistic kind of you know things like we had like we needed a licensed lawyer a lady did it pro bono we got all the chairs and furniture after um <laughs> cambridge analytica went bust we managed to get all that <laughs> <laughs> like, so due to quite... facebook due to russia <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a bit like uh and then we had like wood donated from like Lasco, who like kind of helped run Maltby Street. And then a lot of our former venues gave us all the advice on how to run a bar. They think we're fascinating, don't they? Because yeah. they just <laughs> believe it when yeah. we said, "Oh, we're going to open our own place." <laughs> and yeah, I mean, now the amazing thing is, you know, when, when you set up as a business, a lot of people would say you can't rely on volunteers, mm. but actually, we ha- you know we have a constant influx of new people, and and the volunteers it's all volunteers that are helping run this now behind the bar. They love it because they, they meet people and really enjoy it. Um, and that, that's been absolutely crucial like for our whole model. Um, I mean, that's what keeps a lot of the EA affiliated clubs is, is like volunteers that have been doing it year after year. Yeah. But the amazing thing is that like, we've got this constant influx of, of new people that might just come for two weeks. Mm-hmm. or might come for two years. And they're happy to um, jump behind a bar for a couple of shifts. So. Yeah, and and why was it you before you got to this stage? Because uh, what what was about it about charging that you were so against? I think like I mean, always someone can turn around and say, "Why would I pay to run with you when I can run for free?" Mm. Um, but it was more, it kind of um, it everything is slightly different when you charge. It becomes like a mm. service. The minute it's the same with volunteers. The minute you give someone five pounds an hour. Um, you know the whole dynamic is different and uh that's that that kind of energy that danny ben has like captivated in 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 project awesome is that there's a real energy there because you know they're not paying for it and they do appreciate that it's it's a good thing and um and it it just means it's genuinely open to everyone and that that's nice as well a lot of our members when we surveyed them last year said i joined because it was free Mm -hmm. and i don't know that they would have tried us and i don't think we would be the size we are if we charged i mean i know midnight runners introduced the charge to keep their numbers down <laughs> yeah maybe we might have to do that at some point if we grow any further. Yeah. Well, that was that was going to be my question like yeah. at what point i mean seeing that it's growing you know massively at what point do you think oh god this is getting really out of hand what, yeah, do we, do, we've had that how, moment already in our pub when we were meeting in the marquee they've only got a small area and in January and April this year, there were moments where we just didn't tweet. We weren't going on Insta. We just <laughs> we put people off. And people say, oh, I want to bring my friends. And you're like, don't bring your friends. <laughs> yeah. Or if you do, make sure it's someone that drinks at least five yeah. pints. <laughs> Not just a glass of water. We've definitely and then had those moments. Now we're in the venue. We're allowed up to 200 people. That's the capacity. Mm. And we... If- We'll have to find a way to limit it if it gets past that because we can't. If it, got it to might a point, be a ticket, a free raffle ticket or something. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, we, things like we could do like a premium membership mm. where if they did decide um, 
to get loads of discounts through loads of local shops and get a mm. card and a t-shirt then we, we kind of like yeah. imply that you could do it but for for the moment it's been free for almost nine years like we've got no intention intention of changing that um and there's nothing to say you know you couldn't obviously have a, a club that was double the size it would be dangerous and by the time mm. our runners you know we they filter out of a door before they hit the first road they're in single file mostly you yeah. know it's not a danger to the public in any way but a past a certain point it would be so i think mm. we're, we're where we're at we we can only get slightly bigger and, and we could always we meet on other nights you know additional nights yeah. if we needed to um have you had any anyone asking about opening up in different areas i know it kind of, it, yes. that kind of defeats the point but <laughs> yeah have. that's london I mean, country of venice yeah. <laughs> like, so, so i mean obviously like i don't know like when you run a club at there's like 5,000 people, let's say, on Facebook. Um, and some people will say, oh, I'd like to go for a run from Regent's Park for two miles. And you, we have to be quite strict about that because like, no, no, that, that's not related yeah. to our club. Mm. That's you using our network, which we spent years creating, to arrange a complete set, which will confuse all the members. Um, so but one thing that is interesting so we have to say that no, we've got this set format you know you have to do that set format this is Ob our obviously it will grow nice and organically from that but what was really interesting about brendan foster it was that he was quite captivated when he and he was such a decent guy he had made time to speak to everyone that was there but he really said like i can see this model of having a free running club and using mm -hmm. a disused space i can see that model happening in in cities you know all over the world there's no reason that mm. can't be replicated mm. in the same way parkrun has been you know has enjoyed the most fantastic yeah, success there could be a birmingham city runners and a yeah Manchester and actually would runners. probably make more sense in other cities where it, it isn't prime retail space yeah yeah i mean the thing to do that though is you need volunteers and you need money yeah and mm. we would need investment to do that and i think that's where midnight runners have done it well haven't they they've had some mm. prime sponsorship money and they have now launched all around the world but it takes money and it takes volunteers yeah. and we don't necessarily well, i mean with with london run uh, midnight runners i think it's 20 pounds a month yeah which you know that's a lot of money very quickly given the numbers they had and if you're like yourself set up as a voluntary organization which they were with their you know crew members and yeah. suddenly it's not as if that money is going towards salaries so actually yeah. It very quickly, I think, for them, we, even with their new app, I think they're at the stage where they probably don't know what to do with all the money they've got coming yeah. in, if any. Um, I mean, they've got a couple of salaried staff, but mostly their crew members are volunteers. Mm. And then, yeah, mm. that, as well, then you've got the problem of some people being paid and some are volunteers. And mm. But with, um, I mean, you've mentioned about how the club's changed, but uh, I think runners naturally, there's progression in people's running whether yeah. that's through speed but also what they want to do i mean how how has your club coped with that pressure of people who come in they love it but then i mean eight years of those three exact distances yeah. and exact routes for me feels very constraining yeah i completely hear you. and that's why it, it isn't it's only restricted to that in terms of the club that we offer the beautiful thing is when organically for example a whole load of us went um, via Salomon, uh, went off to Wales for a fantastic weekend. Um, and they had such a good time, the people that went. 
that off the back of that they've gone off trail running in Portugal with the same organization and and you, you just let it's fantastic how this all grows organically and if someone was into trail running uh, or ultra marathon running you know like you are then they get together and they, they kind of group together in the club but they still will always come back for the kind of social side and even if we don't necessarily nurture those people right now with like kind of specific training we are actually still carrying on now that was the kind of amazing thing about getting someone like Mario Mauchi that you know kind of um uh, it's just got such an astonishing time marathon time to get those people like that in that's when some of the really fast ones would be fascinated coming and speaking to her and uh so yeah we, I mean we kind of you can't be all things to all people mm. um and uh you know at the moment we pride ourselves on being a club that is just massively non-intimidating for people that you know um and we, we possibly don't at the moment, cater quite as well as we as we could for those that do want yeah, to get limit, real again, speedy it, times. The lim- what limits us is the time, the amount of volunteers, um, yeah, the nights of the week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we now have a longer Sunday run, so you know people can do an eighteen k or an eleven k, mm. and that's growing Sundays massively. But we couldn't do much more. Like we started to take them on all these different routes. The amount of admin and the amount of mm. organisation of that is huge, mm. especially to do that all year round. And with the sheer numbers of new people who would get lost, it's mm. hard to do. And so we a, stick to our format and don't vary and it, it too much. It's and a, that keeps yeah. most people happy for a certain amount of time. It relies utterly on volunteers, but most volunteers will be, you know, we have some volunteers that have been volunteering for us for years that are just like, amazing um but most volunteers will volunteer a little bit and mm. then their lives move on they, they kind mm. of uh, and so yeah like you you just have to stick to that basic format uh and just be really open to ideas that are good ideas that the issue is that because we've amassed such a massive amount of people and such a big kind of social media presence a lot of people that try and use that to their own uh, advantage like say oh i'm you know doing a 5k even though you know for like a, a you know the bankers fund or, or whatever it is Facebook. like so you have to kind of delicately say look you know i've done oh you've had the wigan five. runner as well well <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that's where you know it has to be kind of slightly policed in a way um mm. But then I, I think the real big thing is just making people feel really welcome when they arrive and uh, remembering their names, their faces. And, um, yeah, that helps create a really good environment. Yeah, and we've we've talked about it on the, on the podcast in the past that, for example, his side, who I'm with, they consider themselves, they call themselves, in fact, London, North London's friendliest running club. And in many ways, they probably are North London's friendliest running official club. Um, because they're, they've got a, a really wide age range, a real d- depth of abilities. And on a Wednesday, for example, they do go to the pub straight after the run, which is really great and friendly. But um, when, as you say, whenever you bring runners t- together, runners, a lot of them there, are to train hard. And when you're training hard, you're not talking to anyone. Um, and if you are talking to someone, you're talking to someone who's your speed. And so it naturally creates these cliques. Um, now, I, I know that we, we've mentioned before we recorded, obviously, about the um, breakaway, the, the newfangled alternative 
London City runners where um, for a while you tried to be, I guess, a bit everything to everyone and create a more traditional club that took part in things like the London Met League and was connected with um, England, uh, England Athletics. I mean, what, what was your experience of that and, and how, what have you learned about England Athletics and running in the country um, and clubs that, that you think is useful to share? I think, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, it's been a, at one thing, at one time we did almost want to be all things to all people. Um, we had the running club, which I founded, um, and then we did try and nurture, um, you know, the, the fast people that wanted to do Met League and cross country. Uh, and we, you know, I appointed a, a committee. We used the logo that I'd created, the same colors, my Leeds colors. And uh, um, yeah, it basically became bogged down in kind of committee meetings mm. um, and yeah, it was became clear that it was being it was difficult to work with the people, with some people on the committee. And um, I think the problem with having an England affiliated part of your club mm. is that you know the committee members are democratically elected by the members of the paid part of the club, but the vast majority of the people in our club were not paying that mm. EA membership. So the jurisdiction of the committee you know, wasn't over the club. And so... It almost up, sounds like the Labour Party. Yeah. You're saying their momentum. This is the yeah. jurisdiction of the committee for that small part of the club. Yeah. But the vast majority of people in the club, and myself included, I wasn't interested in being in any EA club because I'm not someone who would run across country league. And, you know, the other benefits of EA clubs to me didn't mean anything. And it, um, it became clear that the, the success of our club was not based on the, you know, mm. the, the smaller percentage of people that did want to do Met League or mm. that did want to do cross country. That the, what made our club special is the fact that it's open to everyone. That you know, you meet friends, you kind of, um, and that that's what's been fantastic. I so, don't think there's an example anywhere that I can see where there is a free club or that's been formed in the last few years that then becomes EA affiliated in just one part of it. You either go all way, all the way. I mean, I think there's a club in Clapham, isn't there, who was EA affiliated and then just the whole thing became charged. I don't think there is an example of a club that's free with a small section of it that's EA. I don't know. Potentially something like Good Gym. I'm not 100% They've sure. They've got a race team, yeah. They've got yeah. a race team, okay. So they, I've, I've done a, a few Good Gyms and I know they're, they're quite unusual as well in that they yeah. it's not really a membership it's more a donation that you yeah. don't have to give yeah. um they've also they've got a very formal structure haven't they because they're a mm. non-profit company with government grants and mm. have their offices in somerset house so they've got a much more formal structure anyway whereas london city runners you know only formed in 2010 meeting in pubs and then tries to take on this EA thing, which was probably different, very different culture. Mm. Um, so I don't know that it, you know, worked for maybe, the, you know, it, was, it felt very much when I joined the club that there was a, a club inside London City Runners that wasn't really, you know, accessible to people like myself where I wasn't really interested in cross country and competitive running and 
Mm. It was only a very small part of the club. It, it was being, you know, all the members that joined the club were being mm. funneled into that. You but it was fun. such a small percent. It was just yeah. really good, good, Jim. Well, you know, we met Ivo Gormley and he's such a fantastic guy. I know that video he did called The Runner based in Victoria Park was just brilliant. Mm. And, uh, oh, was that him? Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. That, yeah. that was okay. him. It's such a good video. Um, but he was he gave us loads of advice and was just really, really good to us. And uh, um, yeah, I think for now, we wouldn't negate the possibility of, of you know, also having a, a, you know, a competitive team potentially yeah. as well. But, you know, you know, just with yeah. a small it's um, not ruling it out forever. I think there'd be lessons learned about, you know, the committee would and, and the and the paid for part of the club would be over there and you know you don't need a elected social secretary for london city mm. runners it's so much organic a job title but, but the, the interesting yeah. thing is that you know a lot of i know you know the hash house is fantastic there's this whole line of like you know we're a drinking club with a running problem and it's, mm. it's it's all very funny and but actually we're all adults you know we go for a run and we like to have a few beers afterwards and and that's kind of what our business model is kind of based on and we're not embarrassed yeah. to say that anymore. We're like, no, no, we are a functioning pub, and that's what that's what you know. No other club has done that out of the one thousand yeah. four hundred clubs in the UK, and that makes it really special. And that kind of bridges the small-mindedness that sometimes you can get with affiliated clubs. And it it genuinely mm-hmm. means it's open to everyone, um, no matter what club they were. Then, um, you know, you wouldn't be seen as a traitor if you ran with some other club. It doesn't matter to us. But isn't 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 that in okay. part um, I... b- caused by the fact that the like we were saying before, I've seen the England's Athletics um, uh, rules about it, and the ho- there's a whole the whole thing about bringing the bringing England Athletics into disrepute and all this, and so there's all that that worry about saying, okay, we're a club that does drinking and stuff like that, that almost because of the the rules that they put in place, it forces you to, to be something that, that you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you're in a system there, in a system where you are generating a lot of cash from all the members and you're constantly being asked to do more courses, you know, that are elongated in a way where really it's all based around insurance from what Kerry and yeah, I could say. We, we are insured <laughs> up to our eyeballs. But the reason we felt we needed to do that was just to kind of, you know, whereas Danny Ben hasn't gone down, the, he hasn't He's needed to go down the route of getting yeah. um, EA affiliations free because he knows that that would make it a different feel to it. So in the same way as us, you know, we, Kerry and I, you know, we have the most fantastic volunteers that will give everything, but we don't need to sit in a committee meeting, you know, once every month or so um, mm. with minutes and uh, in order to make great decisions about the club. And it's that that's allowed us to actually set up our own cafe bar that does so many other things now around the club. Like we pick up litter on the runs, bring it all back. We've done that quite a few times, this plugging. And um, the couch to 5K is something we're most proud of. People that have never run in their lives or have been injured and not been able to run for years and are very nervous at the prospect of coming along to a club. Um, and they bond in a way that's just quite brilliant. They graduated mm. our last group together with the mayor of um, Southwark in Southwark Park. And some of them were like crying when they finished. And <laughs> in the same way, like, you know, you might do at the end of an ultra. Like it was such a big thing for mm. them. And uh, actually that is, in a strange way, it's a lot more satisfying having that much of an impact on someone's life 
rather than making someone that's really fast a little bit faster when at the end of the day yeah. they're yeah. never going to be Mo Farah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, I mean, it does disappoint me though. I love the Met League. It's yeah. it's so great as a race. I think the spirit of it, the atmosphere, and the experience is, is like no other race you do with like a road race or even a trail race. What what I really want to happen is we've got all these great things like Park Run and, and like like yourself, like the Hash and all these organisations where. They're filling in the gaps that running clubs haven't been able to do, which is how do you get people into running yeah. who aren't going through a divorce in their mid thirties, who are male or, you know, who are who haven't done all these other sports and they've never been able to crack it. But it sounds like from what you said that really what England Athletics now is doing is instead of funneling people into a way of creating this lovely communities for everyone they're almost a barrier to entry for people to doing things that um you know there's there's no problem i've got no problem with people just going for a jog every day if, yeah. if that's you know once a week that's what they want but i know there are a lot of runners who would be great if they progressed into doing all these other types of runs and doing ultras and and it seems like england athletics don't actually encourage that or create a way in which this could really be positive for everyone and, you know, say, for example, you guys end up with 300 runners and there's nothing you could do with them because there's just too many people. Now, that should be a great situation where you're like, well, some of you can do this and you can do this and we can grow here and we can get support here. But it, it sounds like, you know, you're basically being left to be these heroes by yourself when you should be getting the support from England Athletics because it, it's great for society, but it's great for athletics as well. No, I, I really hear what you're saying. And Kerry and I recently um, started going along to some meetings that were set up from the Wimbledon Windmilers where all the groups, all the running clubs in South London and Midnight Runners have been on there as well. We all get together and we talk about issues. Uh, and Every three months. And we yeah. can then, that actually gets fed back to England Athletics. And even Peter Cranshaw, one of the very senior, I think he's on the board or something, um, came along and they're just quietly fascinated. And I think in a way they're acutely aware that their model is mm. changing. And the same way Brendan Foster said in his day, it was simple because you just got highly competitive runners like my dad was mm. um, that were very fast. Um, and uh, you people used to make fun of runners going out running, Ooh, get your knees up and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> now, the fantastic thing about our sport is that everyone, everyone has a go at it. And it's mm. brilliant. Like, but, but they wouldn't, they would, would, they would have been worried previously they'd been laughed at and mm. now everyone can go out and enjoy running it's become a perfectly normal thing um, but you're right I don't think EA quite every club says they're a friendly club they have to say a, that certainly a favouritism showing if you're good at the competitive yeah. stuff rather, yeah. than, like normally, rather than celebrate yeah, someone it, who's just done a two hour half marathon yeah. when, when I, I've, seen, and I've probably been there myself actually when you turn up to a club and you think, I actually am, you know, like, you, you know, I'm <laughs> quite special because I'm fast at running. And actually, we almost take pride in the club. If someone does a, you know, 2.30 marathon, we're not like, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. Actually, would would treat someone that's just done their first half marathon, you know, in the exact same way. Yeah. Mm. And that that's, that's different. That's different to other clubs. And that's why someone like Julie, who set up Too Fat to Run, 
um, which is this amazing. Um, she's written so many books. She's quite an inspirational lady. She runs marathons regular. Um, but she absolutely loved coming along to our club for that very reason. Like, you know, you didn't have that feeling. I'm like, oh, my God, what happens if I get left behind? Or um, So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think it's fantastic that people get their talent nurtured. I don't want to be seen here to be kind of like bashing EA because they – it yeah, is yeah, yeah. those people do need nurturing those people that are fast and um but yeah i think we just right now uh, we cater for a, a different audience and we just it's good to, for us to play to our strengths and mm. help those people that um yeah maybe have just gone through a divorce or you know there's a lot of people that join running clubs obviously in the predictable times like mm. you know they need to lose weight or it's the start of the new year or they have just been through a messy breakup but you know it, it, we're quite we're, we're actually quite delighted knowing that it, really does help people with their mental health mm. there was an article in the newspaper today in the metro um with the whole hiv um aids day and there was a i was just reading it and uh yeah this guy said look running is a thing that i'm still absolutely loving i've joined this club and it's like i was like oh my gosh that's that um and i think that's that's such a great thing that they feel they can be be a part of a club without having to necessarily do cross country yeah i mean i think because for the the whole idea of coming up a bad boy running club came out of i was talking about the met league and i do love it and other people heard about it and thought this sounds great and you almost need this happy medium where it would be good if you guys and whoever else wants to turn up as a club can turn up and race without having to go through all these hoops and whistles and and maybe i'm being a little bit um naive about insurance or about logistics and but um i think that's the main motivation behind bad boy running i don't think it's the, the bad boy running club i think it's that people want to be in a club where they can suddenly be seen as really good or it's it you know they, they'll suddenly improve i think it's more that we can actually go out together and take part in these things officially mm-hmm. um and it seems bizarre that you have to be ea registered yeah. to do that because yeah that's some of the confines they put in you about needing a, an ea trained coach like well why officer yeah, and a I, secretary you're and so, oh it's crazy so right. it? yeah. i mean we would love to send a team of our fast runners mm. and it's kind of you know you, as you mentioned when you join ea you get two pounds off um mm. you, know, you get like uh, two che- cheaper sunglasses races. and you get the, the other like kind of benefits are pretty yeah minimal. but that's all stuff we can arrange and without ea yeah, we don't need them for yeah that. i mean look at run run through that arrange so many races mm. around london that are very very um like cheap compared to like mm. the big ones um yeah they've um yeah they're, that's are an they interesting affiliated I, I think they've recently started a race yeah. team Mm. Um, but yeah that they, they they're, they've been amazing they're actually yeah they're some of the people that have really embraced our new i mean we're um, not going to rule out have it i think we would potentially look at having a race team again but it would be a very small part of the club and it wouldn't have its own sessions because people should run together yeah 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 and actually how i envision bad boy running would be um it's it's not about the, the quick people in the club it's just about everyone who wants to do these types of races yeah come and we do it together yeah um, that's that's exactly it it's just it's just for really for people that want to get together in races and races and run as a team it's not the good mm. the good thing actually listening to this is that thinking about how the bad boy running team are different is that we actively mock the quick people 
in our in our <laughs> we're like the opposite that we sell we celebrate the people that don't finish or don't even bother and then the people that are quick they're almost looked down upon in in, in a way and but I think uh, your members all... love coming to our club <laughs> but what i love what i also love is that this is this is absolute truth we were talking about this in the committee and um uh, uh susie was going whatever you do don't say anything that could possibly damage our chances <laughs> with England, like England athletics. And we've just recorded an entire podcast where we're, where we're laying into them. This is brilliant. We've got, we're going to get chucked out before we've even started. But they might want us in the tent pissing out. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The thing is, I mean, us, when we met with um, the EA guy, who was it? Pizza. Peter Crenshaw, yeah. And we met with the roundtable. That was the night we announced to everyone that we'd we were opening our own bar, and mm. they Literally. thought it was amazing. The, the but, whole you could hear everyone um, was like, "Wow, what? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is amazing! This sounds fantastic!" Yeah, and you could almost see Peter Crenshaw thinking, "Oh, oh, uh, it's and not too fantastic." He wanted to like, write an article about it, yeah. but I don't know that we would have been able to do it and have a bar open from getting the key to opening the bar within two months if we'd had to sit down every week for a committee meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You know. I can't think of anything more dangerous than putting me and David in charge of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about insurances and stuff like that and having a lot of people running. Imagine if we were in charge of a bar. That would probably get through as much booze, but it would never open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we'll go through the, the testing back. phase. Kerry's okay, joke has always been like with, with a, you know, two al- two alkies start a bar, the end. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, we're not alkies, don't say that. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it is like yeah, that's it's a genius way. You you know, we know we can make the money there, um, and we know that that. Being on the beer mile of London has been just fantastic. And the way that all the local businesses have embraced us. Mm. And even now, like there's, there's all these, all the local businesses all come and meet in our arch. Um, because there's something called the low line where they emulate what happened with the high line in America. And so that, you know, that's been great that the council has been behind us for that. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of it. I mean, it's a case of like the opportunities now, now that we've got the space mm. are incredible, mm-hmm. but Kerry and I, you know, we've both ploughed lots and lots of money into this and never earned a single mm. penny. Um, but we need to run this like a business. It has to be a yeah. business. Now. We, need, we need to know that we can make that rent uh, and we need to be adept enough to be able to use the volunteers yeah. in the way that's necessary to have big events. And in we're the way straddling that's a thin line, I think we've worked out, haven't we? Because we have to be very careful not to make too much money out of our members when it's a mm. free club. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, a lot of them have been very generous. We raised £16,000 on crowdfunding, which, you know, not many running clubs get to say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we need to make money out of the general public and the running community at large and get very clever mm. to do this because it's tough out there to survive in central London in an 1,800-square-foot yeah. venue. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and I think you're absolutely right in that it is uh, very much a balancing act when you, mm. you know, people like, yes tribe for example yeah. um and and even danny with project awesome if you you do have it does rely on people who as you say it, it goes really well it grows but suddenly we all reach an age where we've got to think about we're gonna have yeah, kids yeah. we gonna have families we're gonna and yeah. it's it's and i think especially there's so much skepticism about people cashing in mm. now that um 
you know that's never the case because you're not going to start up a volunteer organization yeah. with the long you know the 10 year plan of like well in 10 years <laughs> yeah. in a bar that might do all my in a free club it's like oh yeah no you won't no but, it's i think the fact that i've done it for nine years three times a week whether you're heartbroken whether you've got you know work issue people can see that he's obviously mm-hmm. passionate about the sport the fact he's done it since he's five like uh and that's why it's almost impossible to, I think, replicate what we've got. Now. Yeah. I don't feel mm-hmm. like there's one hot on our heels who's about to start something as big as what we've got because yeah. it's taken the years to do it. Yeah, um, years of building a brand, basically. Yeah, But it would you be know. great if when someone leaves London City Runners because they're moving to Manchester, mm. it would be great if they went yeah. and they started a... Oh, well, there's already yeah. a Baku Runners in yeah. Azerbaijan. Yeah, Baku. <laughs> the natural, <laughs> the natural progression. <laughs> just took the model and, did, and, you know, even in Canberra, there's a no. club there where the two or three of them started meeting regularly, but it never quite had the, you know, like I said, you need to be there every single week. You need mm. to kind of, and, and that's, um, so... But I, I don't think it needs to be one person. No. Yeah. We found that with Ash, it rotates and, you know, I think especially it was your baby, but this isn't going to be their baby in the same way. And so people's passion only burns for so long unless it's fueled by something. And so, you know, I I can see it being a model like Parkrun where someone who's come and joined you has the passion, goes to Manchester, gets three friends in and they rotate every other week. Yeah. They they lead a run and, and I, I don't think it would take that much structure. Um, it's just getting that, that's probably the time for you guys and that's maybe that's somewhere cool. where EA can come in. Mm. Yeah, that's we, true. That's very true. We met Paul since and knew it. He came to our arch uh, a couple of months ago and it, his model is so similar and the advice he had for us was really, really um really great because he he's still you know he obviously started it with his wife as a passion they're now both on their 400 and something (laughs) runs they are still so involved but they've obviously had a structure put in at some point and then they've had some assistance from various Mm. brands to take it places he he said he went up to um the midlands for a meeting with a big brand i can't remember which brand it was and you know, he, the the brand had basically said to him, "No, we're we're very excited about working with you, Paul. Uh, we think what you're doing is brilliant. Um, so it's a one million pound contract that we're basically mm-hmm. offering you." And and him and his wife were like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And he said, "Oh, by the way, right at the end, he was just about to sign it. Said, but we want every single um, email data. address and all the dates that you've ever received. I do hope that's so." And oh, he literally, wow. point blank, said, "Oh, that's not what was agreed. Didn't sign the thing." drove back down from Birmingham and he said at the time he was like is this the worst decision I've ever and he said it was the best decision he ever made in his in his life and it literally from there Parkrun has just become and the other interesting thing is the same way you guys with bad boy running is like um he said it wasn't like one or two things that made Parkrun this incredible force of good it was mm. just doing a little thing like every day just like kind of keeping at it uh, and then just it, it was almost like it wasn't like a big shock that oh this has taken off it was like it, that was such a gradual thing and uh it was re- it was just so interesting things like um he had someone that turned up to a part run and finished and said you the way you did the recording of the time was absolutely disgraceful today and i will not be coming back <laughs> and, and, and he's a bit like this is the most like and he, he said it really upset him he was like 
how can I make it better for this guy? Why, why was he so <laughs> And he said he never did come back, that guy. And he said it was after that point he kind of realized, I need to not get so upset by yeah. an individual. Mm. And then that's the problem when you set up a club like this. Everyone has an opinion, and boy, do they like to tell you about how they think it should be run. Yeah, And uh, you just have to see it from a bigger picture, which is what Kerry and I have managed to do, and just mm. concentrate on all the incredible good people that will help volunteer. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and then I think you really can be excited, and you can have a proper future. And uh, but no, we're, we're delighted that we've almost—it's been almost half a year now. We've had that premises, and we've had big name speakers. We've had other massive running communities that want to come and have parties there. We're doing like things like something called Train Brave, where anyone that's got an eating disorder uh, that likes running or athletics, uh, they're coming along for an event. And we thought it was going to be like fifty people. Next week there'll be a hundred and. 85 people attending that event in the arch um so to have that space to have an area where it's focused on running but we're not trying to sell you trainers mm. um, and we sell alcohol uh is um it's really exciting it's really like no matter what happens from here kerry and i are both pretty delighted despite all the money we've put into it the countless hours it is an exciting thing and the members can see that and now other people outside of the club are starting to see that as well and that's what you know part of the reason we're delighted to be chatting to you now <laughs> um, but um, it is nice to chat to you we've had danny bent in there after the whole like relay like you know with yeah. this uh beer like it's nice to kind of yeah all work together like it's, at the end of the day <laughs> it's, we've all got the passion for running and um yeah the whole ea thing i i feel maybe we've come down a bit heavy in in, in a way pop, oh yeah pop, possibly partly because through experience I think it's all... the it's the when you give some people a title it, they become yeah. very entitled <laughs> and uh, everything can kind of change in a little way and people can get very possessive you know I don't know if I you've ever you, had that in you two are obviously great yeah. friends and that's kind of like that really shows is that you're just having fun with it but yeah like sometimes the kind of you can get so clogged up in the bureaucracy. And I think that's what of a lot of EA clubs, they're so kind of um, blinkered in a way with that. Mm. These are the, the meetings rather than think, actually, our model is being massively usurped from the kind of, you know, Project Awesomes and Midnight Runners and, you know, Bad Boy Runners and like London City Runners. And, but it isn't, I mean, even... I don't know what happened to Rundown Crew. Do you know what happened to Rundown Crew? They used oh, to... I mean, they're still going strong. I mean, they, they, they're a registered club yeah. with uh, Met League and, um, yeah, they charge. And I, I don't know a huge amount about them other than I know the odd person. But, so yeah, I think that's... a good club to emulate then because, again, they yeah. didn't start that way. No. And they have a leader, yeah. whereas most of EA clubs have just got a committee and I think that's again where you founded the club you were running it three times a week yeah. but then there was a committee and it's like well who's running it like well but it also oh, does struggle. struggle yeah well yeah <laughs> it kind of is isn't it that's the thing that's a... it, it is it's like politics like anything you get you know it's very easy to sit on the sidelines and moan but then if you say okay fine <laughs> you step into my shoes for two three mm. weeks and you realize that it takes an immense amount of work and it, it's not easy and so you'd be amazed how people kind of shy away but as i said before they might be massive online warriors with their opinions on how things should be <laughs> like that example with the part run guy you know that, that guy that complained but um, in a way that's exciting because i think we are now certainly the biggest free running club in london and 
you know, if not the world. And that that's like, uh, that's really exciting. Like I can't yeah. think would get that many people. And uh, but yeah, I, th- I think we can we can keep it that way. I, re- I really hope we can. Um, and I, we, yeah, we, we we will need support. Things mm. like you know, we obesity is such a massive issue in Southwark where we're based. Uh, loneliness is such a massive issue in London. Full stop. Yeah, and we're quite bemused by the fact. We haven't been given a single grant from any council. Mm. You know, they, they, a lot of people pay lip service to these, and it's like, wait a sec, <laughs> look at all these people we're getting running for free. Like, uh, you know, now we kind of do need your help yeah. a little bit. Mm. Um, so, so it, yeah, we're going to look at doing more community-driven things that get people into running or walking because we've got the venue to do it. We need to find ways to pay that rent, and if we can find council funding somehow. But most council funding seems to help under 18s, mm. disabled, disadvantaged, ethnic minorities, and the elderly, which isn't mostly our runners. They're usually. Yeah, there's not really kind of. I mean, there's one fund that we, you know, is for people that take a di- an unused, disused space, and uh, mm. it's called the High Street Fund. So we apply for that. Um, but other than that, we, you know, we've never had any financial help of any sort. Mm. Um, and uh, but in a way, again, that's probably what makes us unique is that we don't have people all paying. And uh, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> hope, hopefully you're the guinea pigs of, you know, you've had to do all the hard work. You've had to do it the hard way. And in the future, the next group of clubs like yourselves yeah. will get more support. And and I. I because I I know quite a few people at London Sport, and you know I know, I know they're quite supportive. Danny, for example, um, with Project Awesome from time to time, and they're always actually, if anything, looking to try and hang their hat onto success stories and pretend it's because of of what they've created. And so um, I'll make some intros there because I think they yeah. definitely would be looking to support you. But we've in previous episodes, particularly when we spoke to Myrna, who was. Um, it's known as fat girl running in the states oh, yeah. we've always struggled to know what to do with um it sounds like what to do but people who are very overweight like what where can they go because they can't go to midnight runners they can't go to run dem crew they can't go to any running club at all i know um, and even our couch to 5k if you're really big you would struggle to complete that it's a nine-week course and and good gym was the closest thing that we came up to mm. to a solution because their fitness is so um it, it's it's just so changeable and non-competitive and also um actually very easy depending on what you're doing um but it's great to hear that you know from now on we can because I, I i knew a fair bit about london city runners but i didn't know actually how much of it was open to everyone really and um it's really good to hear that that's now an option that we can start funneling people towards and say well go to this on a tuesday get to this on a thursday yeah. yeah i mean who knows where we'll be in a few years because it could take off massively I and mean, maybe we can open another venue and i think a lot of people are watching very closely because they don't know what to expect and nor do we like <laughs> how does a running club pay the rent of a bar you yeah know? and we are we are making this up as we go yeah we're breaking them up as well um we we can we know there's a strong force there we know we Mm. bring our own footfall but um yeah it's take it's 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 an incredible pressure on kerry and i Mm. Um, but we are we're excited like already we're very excited just just 
the things that happen when you take a massive risk and and actually get a fixed space mm. you know it, it would be you know it takes a lot to actually do that which is why it's never been done before and yeah so we're so happy now like kind of um that we're taken a bit more seriously that we're not seen as just one of hundreds of other mm. clubs that actually what we've done is like it is unique it's incredible actually on saturdays we get a lot of people on the beer mile who are, you know, we tone down the running thing because we don't want people to feel like a <laughs> private club. And a lot of people come in on stag do's or they're, you know, beer brewery tasting. And they can be in there for quite a while before they realise it's anything to do with running. <laughs> and from that, we've actually recruited quite a lot of members, haven't we? We've converted yeah. people into running yeah. off the beer mile. Yeah, and it's a bit like the podcast, yeah. to be honest. You can yeah. sometimes it's a good hour before yeah. running's even mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I quite like that. <laughs> there is in the same way. It's a bit like talking about the weather with somebody. It, it's quite nice, you know. You, you've got that in common. You, you see the lowest <laughs> denominator of yeah. chat, but it's quite nice when you kind of like just uh, yeah. Similarly, there's people in the club you've known them for years, and it is a fantastic common denominator running in that when you're all sweaty and like, you know, it doesn't, when you see people wearing a smart suit and they're, you know, vice president of a bank or whatever, you wouldn't be feel free just to go up and chat to them. Whereas everyone looks the exact same when they just sweated their faces off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. I think it's great. Like, um, yeah, there's no airs and graces in a way. That's a great thing about the sport. Well, we'll have to do our next UTDB event from uh, from your venue because yeah, we we tend to stick to brew dogs so far, but um, there's too many of them. Too now. many. We it's going to become an ultra soon. We don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'd love you to do that. I mean, the guy it was a guy from Runners World. We had an article this week, which are, and he's doing ultra um, that they're going to base out of there in May, uh, which will be really fun. Where they do all the highest peaks in the whole of London. Oh, fantastic! So, and it's all yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, any events like that, we just want to. We'd love to get you down there. Love to show you the place, and um, yeah, we'll probably give you a free pint even. Yes, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's all we was, this whole interview. I know. Was set up that <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> the lengths we'll go to. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the uh, the podcast. It's it's really great to hear what you've been doing. Actually, it's so needed um, for for running, but for society as well. Um, if people want to find you to 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 do the run to come to the venue i mean what's the best way for people to get in touch and to to get involved um come to go to londoncityrunners.com that's all the details on there if you're anywhere near tower bridge the address is 130 druid street it's on the bermondsey beer mile right Mm. in the heart of it yeah (laughs) you literally just go to the the um club tab on the website put your first name last name and email address tick the um terms and conditions box but fine uh and yeah just turn up literally just turn up seven o'clock tuesday thursday leave at quarter past seven and uh we do a big welcome talk um and uh yeah th- then you're away perfect well thanks guys we'll um we'll be organizing an event there soon and if there's anything we can do to help in the meantime do let us know awesome thanks cool. a lot david cheers jody take care thanks a lot bye. great chat. bye Yeah, I, oh, I can't. I feel a bit embarrassed. I didn't know about. They've got a running bar, and I've not been. <laughs> a running, I, it literally goes against everything that we that we stand for. <laughs> there is a running bar, and we've not been there or organised events around it, and it's not actually a stop. It's good to know, though. 
That's really good. Yeah. I think we've, we might have found our new Mecca. Oh, my word, yes. And I've been past it many times as well because the, the, the BMR is so well known and um, it's part of the route I do into London. You say to... the beer mile is well known. What is the beer mile that, that is being talked about? Yeah, so the beer mile is relatively new that um, under the arches, under the train arches that go from around, well, I mean, they actually go from London Bridge, but the main ones for the beer mile start at around Tower yeah. Hill and head east. So you're going through places like Bermondsey and al- along those arches, they've reclaimed them to give them to to new and upcoming businesses so a lot of them have been taken over by breweries so you can um, they're not open all the time like a pub but at weekends in particular if you go there on saturday you'll be able to go down this mile and i've no idea how many pubs there are now how many breweries there are now because it keeps on changing but 12 13 different breweries that are all small independents and so you just start at one end walk down there's also cheese shops and just uh, it's it's almost like a farmer's market of, oh, okay. of booze and booze and lovely artisan food creations so it, it's now you'll meet someone to go to the beer mile and do the beer mile it's 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 a thing in london now right okay yeah and to be on that is if you open up a bar there you don't need to do any marketing because people will if you're next to another bar, they'll come to yours next. You're just in order, and people will visit everyone. It's like being on the cir- pub on the circle line. Right. It's it's um. Yeah. It's, sorry. Yeah. But amazing they're there, and especially it's so hard to find a good place to go and dump your kit and have a beer. Central London, especially around work, um, after work. Yeah, I mean. I- I didn't. I didn't realise that they. Um, well, as you can tell from my incredulity, as we're during the thing, that there was such a place for for cyclists. Um, but at least, at least those places congregate cyclists away from normal pubs. Yeah, which, absolutely. Which is, which is good, I suppose. It, it, it self-contains them. At least you know where to avoid. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how they how that progresses because, I mean, running a bar is so hard. Oh my goodness. In terms of put so much work into London City Runners, but compared to running a bar, and I think they'll always have a certain level of demand because London City Runners will be there and they're on the beer mile, but there comes a point where whew, it's just hard. It's a hard slog doing nights all the time. Yeah. So, so I'm hoping um, I'm hoping that it will, it will go fantastically well and they'll be able to actually can make enough money to be able to put in the infrastructure so they're not just having to run it all through the kindness of their own heart yeah yeah oh god just the idea of running it just for me would just that's that sort of level of organization just running a running club in itself i think mm. pretty pretty hard but then you know the that the whole considering where it is as well um the pressure of making sure mm. that that's that, yeah that's that's filled and everything like that but it's interesting that nothing like it's been done before yeah, and and it's it's so lovely that it's become such a successful group just from running around the same loop. Yeah, without it being a race or anything. Just because it's just really nice that people, so many people, want to just go for a run with other people. 
That's it. That it's it's taken off, and it it does need to be something in every city, really, because I'm sure it's it, like the hash and quite a few other activities I've been involved with. It's just nice to have things like that in a city where if you're new to the to the country, yeah, you turn up and you've you've suddenly got a really friendly network. It really changes your experience of of you know London's seen as an unfriendly city. Things like that massively change it. Is it seen as an unfriendly city? I mean, to speak to anyone from up north about, well, they just think down <laughs> south, don't they? Yeah. But, um, I don't think London's seen as necessarily unfriendlier than other cities of its size, but it's all obviously compared to where people have come from, which will be in, in general anywhere in Europe, a smaller city. And so it, it does feel a little bit more lonely. So, right, so the one thing we talked about on there was um, uh, talking about the difference between crews and things like that. What, what, so what gap does that fill that those, those – because obviously those sort of crews and running different variations of like more casual running club type things filling gaps in the market. Mm. What, what were those what, – what, where does this fit in? How has this been successful compared with those? Whereas those things seem to be kind of in the ascendancy and they've got backing yeah. and all sorts of stuff. How has how has this managed to go well, alongside I, that? What what do you think is the difference in the in the in the person or the type of person that goes to those? I mean, my my understanding, and this this could sound a little bit harsh, go on. But I don't. But in a way, it's actually a compliment. Is I don't think London City Runners are very cool, right? So Adidas don't want to sponsor. I, well, I can't imagine Adidas want to sponsor london city runners whereas if you look at things like run them crew they are cooler than cool they're um to, to begin with they were from uh, tend to be a, a quite a black crew which is you know, generally cooler anyway because black people are cooler than white people in my view but also it's a lot more urban in their outlook and the way they label things like track mafia rather than track exactly the same thing as what we do at Heathside, but track Matthew obviously sounds far cooler. Um, you have something like midnight runners where nearly all of the leaders are fantastically attractive. And <laughs> is that the USP? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, not is the USP, it? but it's, yeah, they, they have very attractive leaders who, uh, most people who go there are all wearing the latest kits and, um, most people tend to be in pretty good shape and there's lots and lots of photos and selfies that are, are posted on Facebook and Instagram. Um, whereas London City Runners tends to just be quite lovely and but ugly. Um, I mean, I've never, I've never been down there. So I've no uh, idea. Are we, are we, are we on a range from like six to eight? Whereas midnight runners are eight, just, just nines and tens. Is that, is that I'm, what you're saying? I mean, I'm not. I've no idea. I mean, London City Runners, I'm sure, are as as attractive or as unattractive as as the next group. I've no idea. I've, I've not been down I, there, but um, I see what you mean about Midnight Runners. There's not an ugly person on this on the site. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they, and I'm sure not all Midnight Runners are beautiful, but they do market themselves using beautiful people. I know the people. I I, I recognise. If, if Midnight Runners were to do a new promotion, I would know the faces of the people that they used who I've never met because they're always used in their promotions. Because that's they you know they know they they are 
more of a business than something like London City Runners because they are marketing themselves. I don't think London City Runners market themselves in any way other than come along and do this lovely run. I mean, it's it's just it's a very very different set of of of, of people and also just set of um, criteria that people attend and I, I think it's fantastic and it's probably the one that's needed the most in London because if you remove midnight runners those people are going to go to gyms they're going to be they're going to be fine they're going to whereas I think London City Runners is far more likely to get people into running who wouldn't run normally yeah. and so that's why I think it's so important that England Athletics get involved and recognise that this is the best way to get people and especially at London Sport who their whole remit is is trying to get people active and it's through groups like London City Runners that people get involved because they don't feel intimidated rather than the other crews that do tend to be a little bit more cool for school oh my god like honestly there is not one unattractive person in this <laughs> it's the are you going to sign up now? I, t- I don't think I don't think I'd get in to be honest. <laughs> There's not a single person. They're all it's not a single person with grey hair either. <laughs> so so the key is if you are overweight but a looker, go to um, London City Runners <laughs> to shed the weight and then upgrade to Midnight Runners to be around all the beautiful people. And they yeah. they're like the Mount Olympus of runners or something. What? Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know whether the you see that that's that's just the impression that you you receive from the photos and the way they market. I'm sure once you're amongst them, you don't necessarily get the sense that you're being discriminated against if you're not attractive. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe. But actually, <laughs> the, the London City Runners, I'm sorry, the um, the uh, the Midnight Runners I know are all are all incredible, incredibly lovely people. Um, it would be if I looked like that. I'd be the happiest person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at it. I want to know who you're looking at. Cause so, um, especially because Theo, who organises Love Trails, and um, the Faroe Islands, he's he's uh, midnight runners. That's his uh, his background. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but Dean Banners, what do you think about all of this? And um, I mean, have you do you know of any clubs similar to City Runners? And see that. What is a real shame about it, actually is that that Tim and Kerry have had to do so much, and, and, and what I wasn't sure really was whether it's because they have have not felt that they could delegate or not wanted to delegate. Because things like the City Hash, where you know I was I was head of the City Hash for two years, um, I was the RA for a year, we organised the runs for a year. You you take on those roles, you do a lot of work and you, you've heavily invested in the club, but then the next year you change roles and someone else takes that on. And it's really interesting that Tim hasn't felt that he could really do that. Um, I'm not sure why that is. Cause you'd have thought it, it would be something that is achievable to have someone yeah, to but, do the Thursday run. But do you think, but do you think the whole experience around the running club probably was the first attempt at that? And that completely backfired. Yeah, maybe actually. Yeah, it could be. Because and, those uh, those would have been the most enthusiastic people, wouldn't it? Those people who were who were suggesting doing that. And so you take the most enthusiastic people, um, and trust them to do it, and mm. give them that responsibility. And, you know, find let go, and and then it all goes hideously wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, what a shame. Um, let's say I mean, the interesting thing that that could happen with Bad Boy Running. It could be that uh, yeah, the running club becomes something completely different to the podcast. But if that's the case, um, it'd be great. We could get double memberships. <laughs> but um, yeah, could, I mean, that, that, that could easily quite easily happen. And I think if we were precious about... Well, I mean, maybe we'd, we will become precious about it if it suddenly changes. And, you know, but I, I think we just want to get people involved. And Yeah, I, uh, think, I think, yeah, the, the, only, the only, well, the, well, that's the thing that we thought about, isn't it, in terms of why, why do people want to join the, the running club? And I think it's generally because people do want to go to races mm. and officially say that they're part of bad boy running. And you can't do that at the moment if you're not um, uh, England Athletics affiliated. Yeah. Um, and so it's just that way of doing it. And so when when we do launch the um, the running club, um, if, you know, there's going to be a few. It is going to feel different because we need you, the, at the moment the race vests, the running vests, and the running shirts. They're not um, uh, they're not compliant compliant with with, with mm. affiliation. So there will be new vests, which is perfect in terms of uh, merchandising for us. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's well, that's convenient. Uh, <laughs> Um, I guess we have two vests, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Potentially, well, yeah. Well, three vests. Three vests. Three vests. They'll be. They'll be. What, we're going to. We're going to get. We're going to start getting all elitist. Uh, <laughs> and you'll get if you if you win, then you get a slightly off colour one, so that you feel because you should you shouldn't feel as good as as everyone else. You get actually if you if you win races, if you win more than three races in the BBR shirt, you have it taken from you. Um, or or we you get a like a hole punch taken out of it for every win <laughs> until eventually it disintegrates yeah 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 <laughs> brilliant but we should um let us know what you think do you we should organize a night out in london at the, oh yeah uh, at the venue because um it wow well, it'd be great we, we need to support them as much as we can but also it's going to be such good fun and it's so central as well and it's on the bmr so i uh, i suspect we can get dan to put on the UTDB event, which is the the BML taking well centered around their venue. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely something to do because it, it makes sense, especially if you can leave, leave um, if you leave kit there and stuff. That's that mm. yeah, people have been like crying out for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I, but the good thing about that is that it also means that if we need some new kit, uh, we can just rock up there knowing there's going to be a whole ton of kit there. <laughs> <laughs> we can just lift. <laughs> Because we're always short on running tops. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're going to start start collecting like running kit for uh, for for Dan. Uh, yeah. Well, let us know what you think, Dubadis. If um, if you're in a city where you'd like to start something up yourself that's similar, get in touch. Get in touch with um, with Kerry and with Tim because I think they're at that stage where they'd you know they'd be open to it um but what do you think do you, do you think england athletics do enough do you think they should, can you think of a way in which they can actually promote this type of running more um any uh, any episodes you'd recommend jody i would first time listener record for first time listener um we haven't actually used a lot of in jokes in this episode so i would normally i would suggest you go back and listen to the a to z to make sense of this but i don't necessarily need, need think you need to put yourself through seven hours of that just to make sense <laughs> of this um I think uh, if you are interested in um, uh, sort of shorter races, um, definitely go through the Colin McCourt episodes where he talks about that. Those are good ones talking about, you know, um, 
progressing up from um, being a certain weight and size and, and getting back to fitness. Um, I also think the uh, Dale Clutterbuck interview, um, mm. quite a good one if you, if, you, if you like doing a lot of track work. But I think if you, um, given that a lot of, it sounds like a lot of people that do London City Runners, if you're a London City Runner yourself and you really just love the joy of running, I thought the Ali Bailey episode, her first one was fantastic, where she really talks about her love of running ultras and how she got into that and how she you know, balances, helps her balance her mental health, but how she also trains for it and, and incorporates it into her life. It, it could be a really nice one for you to listen to that might actually make you decide you fancy doing something a little bit different. Look at you indoctrinating people into ultras now, aren't you? Absolutely, now that you're not doing them. Yeah, exactly. I know, <laughs> that's the thing. Everything, every, everything is being designed to sort of draw me back into, <laughs> into ultras. The more... <laughs> Just need to get the pin out of that little doll. Exactly, I know, that's it. Find, find out who's got the doll, take the pin out, and uh, yeah, and I'll be back. Anyway, man, that was, uh, that was great and surprising as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and what, what couple great to, to hear stories like that so um, thank you Kerry and Tim all right man um I will uh, I'll see you later and uh, oh listeners if you if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes or oh, oh yeah, yeah if yeah, you've yeah. reviewed us on iTunes but you haven't left a comment they're actually changing how reviews work so that it seems there's not 100% confirmed but if you just review without a comment those will no longer be included in the, I think they're going to scrap them. I think they've and, already been taken out. I think they've already been stripped out. Have they? Yeah, I think only Ooh. only star review star ratings with a review are now shown up on the um, on the on the reviews page. So if you do enjoy the podcast, have enjoyed the podcast, or have reviewed without leaving a comment, please go on there. Also, read through the comments themselves because they are quite silly, quite funny, and feel free to be as stupid as you'd like on those. But please be please be positive. <laughs> please make it a five star. Please don't be mean about me. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But please subscribe. Um, if you want to get in touch, get in the Facebook group. Do suggest future people for us to interview. You can email us letters at badboyrunning.com. Um, Beer52.com slash badboyrunning if you want to get that crate of beer for £2.95. And uh, anything else, JD? Yeah, we're going to have, by the time this arrives, we will have merch available. Um, that is uh, T-shirts, vests, and possibly other couple of little surprises uh, <laughs> available in the store. And that's at badboyrunning.com. Wonderful. Well, we'll see you next time. See you Cheers, later. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-